0: Blackhawks fans, and welcome to the Four Feathers post game show. Unfortunately, we are talking about a Blackhawks loss tonight. No, I am not Johnny Nani. Uh, Johnny has a well deserved day off. He is at, or was at, excuse me, the White Sox home opener. He is now at home resting. I'm sure uh, he cracked him quite a bit today, and that is why he's not on this podcast. I'm Ron Luce. I'm joined tonight by the one and only Tony Marchese. Sir, before we dive into
1: this Hawks game, how are you? Ron, thanks for the uh, the pleasant intro there, buddy. I'm doing I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I should say the White Sox did win today. I know that's why the listeners, uh, I, I know that's not why they're here. Um, I've had a few beers myself. I know you have as well. It was a long day in Chicago sports. Um, it was also the Masters. So, you know, there's plenty to watch and consume if you are a, uh, sports fan, um, and I assume you are. If you're tuning into this show, there's plenty to watch today, and uh, unfortunately, get to round this day out, Ron, talking to you about a Blackhawks loss and a frustrating one at that. So while I've been better during today, I'm still happy I'm getting to talk to you about sports and continue to do what I love, which is drink beer, talk about sports, uh, despite it being a Blackhawks loss tonight. And I'm sure you're going to hear me get mad at some point during the show. So take this as the happiest moment of the show right here. Cause I'm going to take a sip of this beer. Wow. Um,
0: that's like inspirational and like, Disappointing all at the same time, knowing that this is the happiest moment. But um, no, I, I mean, I, I you know, I get that. Yeah, it was a it was a crazy day. I mean, Chicago sports is super busy today. Uh, you had the Blackhawks obviously in action, which we're here to talk about. You also had the Bulls, the Cubs, and the White Sox. So busy, busy day in Chicago sports. Busy day here at the On Tap Sports Network, and that's why we want to remind you that Four Feathers Podcast is the official Blackhawks podcast of the On Tap Sports Network. You can go ahead and check out all of our literary and Podcasting works over at www.ontapsportsnet.com and at ontap sportsnet and on all social media platforms. You can find us, specifically the Four Feathers Podcast at Four Feathers Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, and, you know, reminder www.ontapsportsnet.com and at ontap sportsnet on social media. The Ontap Sports Network, go ahead and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Tony, alrighty, before we get into this disappointing, heartbreaking, painful 5-1 Chicago Blackhawks loss to the Dallas Stars. We have some news to talk about a little bit today, and that is the news surrounding the Blackhawks trade that was made today. Unfortunately for some, I know it's been a long day. Maybe you weren't able to catch up on the trade, so let's catch up on it for you. The Blackhawks – and here, Tony, actually, I have a story really quick that you'll actually enjoy because, you know, I was – Fortunate enough this morning, myself and my family get my first shot of the COVID vaccine. We're, uh, we're we're trending in that direction, people. We want 100% capacity at the United Center so we can go watch some Blackhawk games. But my dad asked me, he goes, do you think the Hawks are going to make a trade? Because the trade deadline is Monday, April 12th, which is quickly approaching. And I'm like, no. I'm like, i jokingly joking. I was like, they made their trade. They got Vinny Henestroza. And my dad's like, are you sure like, you don't think they would? And I'm like, ah, I mean, I guess if they made a trade, it would be like something that really sets them up well for the future that like, isn't too high risk on their end in terms of like they don't want to give up assets. They're not in that position right now. And my dad's like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. I'm like, yeah, about 25 minutes later, I check Twitter and Pierre Lebrun tweets, you know, oh, there's reports that a Blackhawks Panthers trade is going to happen. I'm like this mother really? really? I was so upset. I'm just like, damn it. I'm like, that's karma. That is the world spitting in my face today because I'm like, no, why
1: would the Hawks make my day any busier than it's already going to be?
0: No. Yeah. And like, you, Hold you, my you, beer.
1: So were you, were you thinking as soon as you saw that initial tweet, not knowing what Pierre had said in the tweet, but just that the Blackhawks are, you know, in involved in trade discussions, Ron, are you thinking like, Okay, here goes Calvin DeHaan, or here goes one of my other favorite players. Because normally when the Blackhawks yes. trade somebody, it's either one of your favorite players or, or one of Patrick favorite. Comiskey's play, favorite players. Now, nah, My favorite Ooh. players don't get traded. They just retire for whatever reason. Fair, fair. Yeah. No, I, I think
0: – I wasn't sure. So the the first report that came out, for those that didn't see, was – Pierre Lebrun actually gave two names. He said Brett Connolly and Riley Stillman for the Panthers are involved in the trade going to Chicago. So I was like, Oh, okay. To me, it immediately said salary dump because I know Connolly was underperforming this season. He's getting paid quite a bit of money to be realistically was paid to be a top six winger there in Florida at three and a half million for four years. Uh, That's quite a bit of money. So thought that that was going to be some type of salary dump. But that being said, Aaron Eckblad is hurt Florida's top defenseman. Maybe the Hawks would be sending back essentially like a contract to make up for Connolly, Cause to me, that would scream stand trade, right? Do something stupid trade for a guy that you think is maybe a little overvalued, but you think you can fix him and keep it moving. So initially that was my thought. So I actually had a fear that Calvin DeHaan was going to get traded and I said it on Twitter. I was like, I will be sad. I will be the pissiest Blackhawks fan today if Calvin DeHaan is dealt to the Florida Panthers. Well, the final report comes out, ladies and gentlemen. I was not disappointed. The Hawks did trade a defenseman, though it was Lucas Carlson. They also traded Lucas Walmark, who just was placed and passed waivers um, because of the Vinnie hino trade, and they got a pretty nice return. So the Blackhawks received Brett Connolly. He is, uh, as I mentioned, a winger forward. They also received defenseman Riley Stillman, center prospect Henrik Borgstrom. He's going to be a fun one. We're going to get into him. And a seventh-round pick in exchange for those two players. So really was 100% a cap dump on the place of Florida. And the Hawks actually made out pretty well with it, Tony. So I I, I do want to turn it quickly over to you. I I know you mentioned that, you know, as I think a lot of Hawks fans admittedly are, they don't maybe know a lot of these guys in this trade because Florida is kind of a forgotten-about franchise. So what were your initial thoughts on the trade?
1: I mean, initial thoughts on the trade, and you're correct. I, I don't know these guys uh, as well as as you do. I'm not as as involved in some of the um, you know minor league systems of other uh, other franchises around the league. Uh, but I just think you know overall, Ron, um, the the Hawks have made out kind of nicely here at the trade deadline. They've acquired some assets. Uh, they haven't moved anybody that's going to be a detriment to what would be a potential playoff run. Uh, I know that that's kind of slipping and we can talk about the standings and and what goes on around that, but you haven't really blown anything up. You've gotten some things back in return. Uh, You know, you've accumulated another draft pick uh, and, and yet like none of these guys that they've moved, Ron, were going to be parts of any type of core that the Blackhawks were going to need going forward. So, um, you know, overall, I think it's been a little bit more active than I assumed. Um, and I mean let's be real when we when we first acquired uh, Janmark and Walmart like we knew somebody of that bunch was gonna try and be moved um, at the deadline. I mean we talked about that on the season preview show. we've alluded to it all year. Uh, you didn't know for what um, and I mean Lucas Carlson too, uh, I mean the, there's there's a lot that we have here on the blue line already um and guys that are that are being developed as we as we watch this season unfold i mean even ian mitchell's been up and down so there's a lot of shifts in playing time and and just a lot of guys there that are vying for spots so when you really look at it ron like was carlson going to be that guy who was going to you know break the mold and and become an everyday guy i don't think so um you know we've seen plenty of those kind of defenders come through here uh but you know Overall, I, I don't think anything was very earth shattering, but did you position yourself in a way to have, you know, options going forward or even potential lottery picks? Sure. And, and the Hawks had some cap space to work with here too. Let's not forget that. So uh, I'm always a fan of a, a team that has that kind of cap room to be able to make a move like this, um, you know, even not being so certain on the return, Uh, Just on paper, Ron, it looks like this is a good move for the Hawks in the sense that, you know, if it, if, you know, one of these guys does pan out to help you win a few games or or turn into an asset, or you don't even know what that seventh round pick's going to turn into, um, granted, again, lottery ticket, uh, but you're giving yourself more opportunity uh, to now turn those players into something that could benefit the franchise. Yeah, well said. And
0: and that's exactly kind of the stance I took on this trade, too, was, you know, Connelly, uh, the first reports that I saw and kind of thought um, when the trade was originally being announced. So before it was official and we we just knew Connolly was going to be a piece of the trade, a lot of Blackhawks kind of uh, Blackhawks Twitter, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, was like, huh kind of an appealing guy, maybe a candidate for the expansion draft. And I said, okay, that makes sense. So essentially for the Hawks, it's effectively a a half season cap dump that, you know, they can roll with that now. And they have a guy that gets taken in the expansion draft. They don't lose anybody of severe importance. I'm like, okay, I kind of like that, that side of it. Um, And I think that's a very much a possibility, but uh, I really like the Riley Stillman edition, and I really like the Henrik Borgstrom edition. Here's why: Stillman is more of a stay-at-home defenseman. He has not put, he has never put up flashy numbers. I think even in his like juniors days, he only put up like 20 points a season. That immediately screams he is a defensive first guy. And what is this? You know, what do the Hawks actually lack besides legitimate stay-at-home defensemen? You know, they have plenty of puck movers in this system right now. And that was something they lacked was a stay at home guy that was kind of ready for the NHL.
1: Stillman is maybe not totally ready for the NHL, but he's 23 years old, super young. So a question for you, I'm going to break into here real quick, Ron. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but you know, Connor Murphy, when he came over, was somewhat considered a stay-at-home guy a little bit, not as much as Brent Seabrook really was. And I think Brent Seabrook really isn't even considered a stay-at-home guy in a traditional sense. There's still a lot of offensive upside to him. But do you consider Connor Murphy kind of like a guy that uh, he can learn from? Yeah. I think he could learn a lot from Connor Murphy. I think Murphy has
0: kind of developed himself into a little more of an all around defenseman. His offensive numbers are getting a little better, not like world's better. He's not Duncan Keith offensively better, but you know, his his numbers have improved a little bit. He he's kind of taking on more of the like leadership type role. It almost feels like Murphy honestly is kind of a little bit, a little bit of like a poor man Seabrook in a lot of ways. Like, A little more of that physical presence, can play the heavy minutes, you know, will contribute offensively, but nothing earth-shattering, and is a leader. And I I think that's what Connor Murphy's really developing into. That being said, I think Riley Stillman could potentially develop into more of what they lost when they traded for Connor Murphy, and that is Nicholas Jolmerson, who is a true stay-at-home defenseman, willing to block shots, just good defensively, positional, you know, you know, positionally. And just can do a nice job just getting the puck out of the zone, get it to your playmakers. And I think Stillman has that possibility. I like where
1: you're going with that and I like how you transition that. I was trying to give the listeners a little bit of a feel for like his gameplay style there because I think when a lot of people, when you hear stay at home defensemen, you can think of two different things, right Ron. you can think of slow yeah. or you can think of a guy that's defensively responsible. Uh, taking those blocked shots, maybe not contributing on the offensive side, can still move the puck up the ice, but isn't going to spring anybody consistently. Uh, right. where you look at that as a as a as an offensive defensive weapon. Um so that's where I'm trying to, you know, just have you shed a little bit more detail on that because I think that's important.
0: Yeah, I think I think Stillman can be he's not going to be as like all over the place as Jolmerson. Jalmerson was a much almost like just athletic freak in a lot of ways. Like he would do the crazy sprawling moves to like block shots. And he was really like
1: poke, you know, he could poke. He had good range, kind of this. You like, guys can't see Ron right now, but he's actively acting actively out. Actively acting out, yeah. How, how, you know, they block shots and stuff. He's like diving all over his room. This is fantastic. My – my my brother
0: actually – my older brother actually had a nickname for Nicholas Jalmerson. He called him Spider Monkey because like when he's all – he's just all over the place. And that's kind of like his style. Stillman is probably a little less all over the place. But again, at the core of it, he's a good positionally sound defenseman that's just effective in his own zone, and he'll spring a guy here and there. I think you said that perfectly, but he's not going to consistently generate offense from the back end. So I think he's a good piece. But the real wild card of this trade, Tony, is Henrik Borgstrom. And here's why. He, A, fits the Stan model perfectly. What does Stan Bowman love more than former first-round draft picks? No trade clauses. Yes. Other than that, there is nothing more that Stan loves than former first-round picks that didn't work out with their former team. That's what Borkstrom is, and here's why. So Borkstrom was a 2016 first-round pick. He was 23rd overall in that draft by the Florida Panthers. Unfortunately, of late, and we're starting to see it with a guy that's finally cracked the roster, that being Owen Tippett, who was a first-round pick of the Florida Panthers years back, he took a really long time to develop in their system. They've also noticed that that's happening with a lot of their other top prospects right now, guys, they had really high upside coming in that just couldn't pan out for some reason. And it it leads a question of like, can Florida really develop talent right now? If it's not NHL ready, because really a lot of their roster aren't guys, they necessarily developed. They were either high draft picks that were like ready for the NHL or guys. They either got through free agency or trades. So You know, there's a lot of questions surrounding that, but Borgstrom dominated the NCAA level. He played at the University of Denver. I think Stan quoted today something along the lines of like he thought he was a top 10 ever college player that he had seen and thought he was a no-brainer in the in like in the NHL. And he just for some reason wasn't working out. He's good size, he has good size though. He's six foot three, two hundred pounds at age twenty three. He is a true center. I, I I would I would concern people don't think Dylan Strome in this case. I think he's more agile than Strome is. I'm not saying he's gonna be a Brandon Hagel sorts who's just gonna run circles around people speed-wise, but he's he's definitely got you know a, a second gear that a guy like Dylan Strome doesn't have. So he's got a lot of upside. He's really promising, and he's a guy I think a lot of people have been intrigued by. But this year, he actually, I think partially because of him being upset with the franchise and just amidst the whole COVID thing, he said, rather than risk there being no AHL season and me not playing at all, I'm going to go play in Europe. So he's currently playing in Finland's top league, which is is Liga, is what they go by there. Um, he's playing up there right now, and he's actually having a nice little season. So. The, the, and Stan was also said today in the press conference, the intention is to sign him next season and he will play. I've heard with the Blackhawks. So they are expecting him to be on the roster in the fall. Uh, and I would expect it to be as a third line center. I think the Dylan Strom at center project is officially over. I think Strom will remain on the wing as long as he's a Blackhawk and Kirby dock will be your two line center. Hopefully Jonathan Taves is healthy and he'll be your one line center. And then that would put position Borkstrom to be a third-line center with maybe a P, uh, Pius Suter kicking out to the wing. So I think that's what they're thinking right now with Borgstrom. And it's he's a real wild card. He could be an absolute steal of this trade. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, the seventh-round pick is a nice throw-in. Worst comes to worst. If you're if there's a guy they really like in the fifth round and they want to trade back in, you can package your or trade up, let's say, in the fifth round. You can take your fifth that they already have. And you can put that seventh with it and move up sometimes. So it, it gives you draft flexibility. So I agree. I think overall, I think it's a, a good move for the Hawks. Like you said, like it doesn't impact what they're doing right now. None of the, like, the two guys that were on the roster have barely played all season. They clearly weren't fits in some capacity, whether it was too much of that type of player with a guy like Lucas Carlson or just Walmart just not seeming to gel well with the lineup after the whole COVID issues, whether that was his health or whether that was just guys stepping up prior to, or, you know, and kind of like outplaying him out of a spot,
1: essentially. Right. And, and you know what, Ron, I think just overall, and and normally guys, we, we get into the post game show right away obviously we're trying to break down uh, some trade deadline stuff right here um, as the news happens. So um, Ron, I think the most important thing here is, is just the fact that nobody's ever going to complain and say, the moves that were made at this deadline were detrimental to the Hawks in any way. And and so Stan was essentially, in my opinion, dealing from a point of strength and did that well because nothing he did right here was going to have any sort of long-term effect on the Blackhawks, at least minimally. Now is Carlson going to turn around and probably play in a Stanley cup final and and score a game winning goal because I'm saying this maybe, (laughs) Maybe, maybe. maybe. And when that happens, you know, old takes exposed all day right here. But uh, I think, Ron, I think we're on the same page with that. Um, But I think you broke this trade down very well. Uh, Like I said, you had the information on this one. um, And uh, there's more of that on on ONTAPSportsNet.com as well. Uh, Ron, let's get into tonight's game uh, and just do it as quickly as possible because – you know put the dagger in me right now so i'll let you take it
0: away yeah let's 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 get the dagger in real quick and out real quick because this one was a doozy uh early um semi early about midway through the first period is when the uh the scoring got started in this one rupe hints scored his 12th goal of the season on the power play for the dallas stars ben and pavelski on the assists um just kind of took the wind out of the sails i think more so the fans because the Blackhawks actually played pretty decently in the first period Tony and they responded a little bit later at the 1405 mark Dominic Kubalik scored his 14th goal of the season. He is quietly just having a really really nice year. Nobody's talking enough about him besides us here at Four Feathers. Uh but Vinny Stroza, Philip Kershev on the assists, a nice play in the corner, they dug a puck out. Uh it was Stroza that ultimately ended up with it. He feeds it through the slot to Dominic Kubalik back door on Kedobin. Uh, and League doesn't miss. It was an absolute beautiful goal. And the Hawks went into the first intermission, Tony, uh, uh, tied one-to-one in this one, which, you know, I think had fans po- feeling pretty good. They played pretty well in that first period, but the wheels fell off in the second period. Jason Robertson scored his ninth of the season for the Stars at the 113 mark in the second period. So quickly taking the wins out of the sails uh, of the Blackhawks players early in that second period. Um, as the game wore on though it took about another 13 minutes before Dallas would score again this time though Miro Heiskanen on the power play from the top of the point just an absolute laser beats Kevin Lankinen. Ben and hints on the assists on that one um, that coming if I remember correctly after a Ryan Carpenter penalty uh, delay a game so just a poor penalty that leads to that it was a real just morale shatterer Uh, and then you know like you said, dude, let's, let's add to the pain and throw another dagger in there because then just a minute and some – almost a minute and a half later, a little more than that maybe, Blake Como gets the easiest goal potentially of his career because Duncan Keith completely wipes out, blows a tire at the blue line, somehow like accidentally hits the puck with his stick a little bit. It goes right to Como who's got a breakaway in on Lincoln and he's not going to miss. Um, So that made it 4-1 Dallas going into the third and then right out the third period, Tony. Let's just pull the dagger out and let us bleed out at this point because Blake Como, yet again, an awful change by the Blackhawks defense. I don't know what the hell happened on this play, and I borderline freaked out when it did because I was like, that was very egregious. But Boakvist is like half on, half off. He finally decides to go off when Dallas is coming into the zone with the puck. And it's a two-on-one, and hints to Como, they're not going to miss. That was 50 seconds into the third, ladies and gentlemen. And the Hawks were just walking zombies the rest of the third period, for all I care. That's why the Four Feathers died down, because guess what? I died down because the Hawks died down. It was just that kind of night, and the Hawks lose 5-1, to Tony. We got through it nice and quickly. So I'll turn it right back over to you for some analysis and just what your thoughts are about this game.
1: You know, thanks for for doing that quick, Ron. You know, Johnny normally makes me talk about each and every one of the goals. I don't know about you, um, and you know, I don't even want to uh, during this game. Um, so I, I'm I'm just thanking you for for doing that quick. Not that I don't enjoy breaking down each and every goal. Uh, this one was just not good because uh, number one, um, you, you've kind of played Dallas well all year, and seeing this one slip. Not great. And especially with the, with the standings right now, I know there's a lot of Blackhawks Twitter out there that does, uh, you know, want this team to suffer its lumps and get through the rebuild with the, you know, I guess we're calling it a rebuild Uh, again. It's, Ron, you're right there with me too. Like, is this rebuild, retool, potato, Retour, potato, whatever? Uh, but yeah, so uh, there are people out there that want to see them get, you know, best draft position and you know all that stuff, and we can debate back and forth whether or not you know that's valid right now. But I, I'm a fan. I want to see this team in the playoffs, Ron. I know you do too. And, and so this one kind of hurts because you you slip just a little bit farther now. Um, four points behind the panther or yeah, they're behind the predators right now, right? I th- yes, think that's I the believe so. the last I looked four behind the predators um, the panthers are a little bit ahead of them as well. Um, what are they at uh, point wise here? Just looking yeah. they're at 56. so they've got they've got a nice 11 point gap over there. so it's essentially down right now, Ron uh, to the predators, the Blackhawks. And then the stars and the Blue Jackets are kind of right there on their tails, just three points behind. and The stars have three games in hand on the Blackhawks, so you can fall quite quickly. Um, you know, if if the if the stars are able to rattle off two of those wins, so you're looking at this right now if you're scoreboard watching. Obviously, we've got the trade deadline coming up. I don't foresee the Blackhawks doing something drastic. I don't know about you, but I just I, I can't I foresee that. I'm, I'm pretty sure Stan's business is if not done close to done, I'm sure he'll still field phone calls, but I can't see them doing anything. That's going to say we're adding right now to make a move because I feel like your biggest move that came around the deadline was re-adding Kirby doc to this lineup. That was your biggest move. Yeah. And, you know, regardless of what the timelines were originally um, on the injury, he he would probably, be back at some point, if not, they shelve them for the full year. But regardless of that, Ron, like we're, we're still in that hunt and every game right now matters. Uh, the other only other storyline to this one is that Jeremy Carlton has yet to pull a goalie all season due to play. I don't know if you saw that, but that stat came out tonight, his streak holds um, and he is yet to pull a goalie. I think it's, Getting a little ridiculous at this point in time. Where is the accountability in these games? Not so much that Kevin likenin wasn't the best option to win this game, even when you're down 3-1, 4-1. But to light a fire, to energize his team, Ron, where was that tonight? Because I also felt like the Blackhawks kind of rolled over tonight. Just a little bit. Thoughts? Yeah, uh, no, they
0: really did. It really felt that way. It felt like that kind of game where they're just like, okay, we give up. Like, things didn't go in our favor. Like, they gave in really early. And maybe maybe some of it is the stress of the trade deadline. Sometimes that affects players' play. Um, I think especially with, like, the new faces coming into the fold, maybe the team is just, like, excited. I don't know. Or, like, maybe they just... I don't even know. Maybe they're just hitting that wall. Maybe it's that time of the season since it's not a full season that like you hit that kind of like you need to spice it up part of the of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how they rebound. And I I think they as collective. It's not just the players on the ice. I think like you said, I think it's the coaching staff as well. How do you how do you respond? Like show us something, whether it's, you know, Jeremy Colleton benching somebody who hasn't been playing well or whether he maybe, like you said, you know, starts more actively pulling goalies if they, if he doesn't think they're good enough, you know, something send on his message. end. Yeah. Send, send a, a message. message because like these guys on the ice then are going to show you something. They're not just going to roll over and play dead. I mean, in, in tonight's game is a perfect example. Like, you know, Patrick Kane ended up playing 22 minutes cause they're playing from behind the entire time. And like, that's not going to help, you know, it's just, they need to be able to roll four lines for whatever reason right now. Some of these lines are all messed up and I know there's a lot of shuffling pieces. You know, we could, we could talk that like early in the season, they were very cohesive because they didn't have a lot of depth, you know, outside of a couple guys. Let's,
1: Let's talk about that for a second, Ron, because I think you hit on a very important point. The Blackhawks have a lot of options. Are they the best options no. And sometimes that can be a detriment to a coach. And that's not exactly to say that Jeremy Carlton isn't handling lines well. This is something that can be a problem in any sport. When you've got a lot of options, and like, like let's just look at the forward group, Ron. Like there's Carl Soderbergh is, is a scratch tonight. And you know that like at least for me, I like having him in the lineup just based on, you know, his size and his ability to get to the net. If you start adding back in some guys here too, like Andrew Shaw to the forward group, or say Jonathan Taves is available? There's a lot of guys that are middle six group that you can go to here, and and that makes things unstable, especially in hockey, because you want to build that chemistry amongst guys, but when you have too many of these options, and I feel like none of them are, None of them jump off the page enough to say, I'm going to be a starter every single fucking night. But a lot of them say, you know, I deserve NHL minutes. And that's where it stops. And it's it's really hard to classify this, but I feel like one of the problems right now is that earlier on in the year, yes, you didn't have those options. So you knew who you were going to, you knew who those lines were going to be. And now, and this is, Maybe one thing that I have a little bit of an issue with the Hinnestroza trade is that, like, you've now added another one of those types of guys, and I mean, we're talking about like, you know, Brandon Peary gets sent down and doesn't have doesn't have time, but you can score goals down in the AHL and might deserve another crack back up here. Like, th- this is it, it's it's not a bad problem to have that kind of depth, but it's almost a bad problem to have too many not sexy options. I think
0: I think where you're trying to go, Tony, I completely understand what you're saying. It's like right now these are a lot of guys that are in that like prove it mode of their careers. Like they have that middle six talent, but they're still kind of trying to prove that they can be middle six or better players.
1: You know, well, no, no disrespect to like Ryan Carpenter. And I know he's Johnny's guy, but like you look at this lineup right now, and if you're filling in if you're if you're Jeremy Carlton you're filling out the card you're like okay I gotta get Ryan Carpenter in there but I also have you know Carl Soderberg. and I've got you know at the time you had Walmart Yanmark um you know you've got Hinderstroza you got Peary you've got camp you've got like a bunch of just guys right they're 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 just guys they're not gonna jump off the and you can even put Dylan Strome in there sometimes where it's like you might get a great game or two out of Dylan Strome. And then other times he's going to play like one of these just guys. Yeah. And so you, you've got this, this mess of a bag that you're basically just picking out of a hat, trying to put lines together to get guys ice time. Meanwhile, none of these guys are doing what like Alex to or Dominic Kubili can do. And I'm not even going to the Patrick Canes of the world. I'm talking about guys that like deserve to actually be in the lineup every single night because they prove it. You've got a bunch of other guys that are just kind of second tier to even that, And when you have too many of those, it makes a decision a lot harder than if you take three of those guys and say, yeah, these guys suck. I'm not, I'm not fucking putting them in.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I I think that's fair, and I think that's going to be part of the evaluation phase here late in the season. Now is like, I think for the future, trying to figure out who those guys can be because you still need those guys. Like, there's no doubt. No, but having but can't. having too many of them is worse than like having like it's just as bad as not having any of those guys. Either.
1: I'm I'm not I'm not saying that it's a bad problem that that roster construction works, Ron. What I'm going to drive this home, and you may you may not like that what I'm about to say is that that's a Jeremy Carlton problem to try and identify who those people are. As I crack this beer, you need to be able to put those lines together, make them effective and identify what works and what doesn't because when you're shuffling things around like you are right now, and this is a tough time at any, for any NHL team, especially at the trade deadline, when you make those additions to make sure that they actually fit and gel together. So if I if I take my whole stance of, you know, stands trade deadline stuff isn't going to hurt the Hawks long term. If if I want to go full meatball, full meatball mode Ron and say, "We need to make the playoffs this year." Was it the best move to add Henestroza into this mix and then try and figure out where he fits? Now I think you can make an argument from your side that, you know, you love that third line tonight. Um but at the same point in time is Jeremy Colleton at that stage in his NHL coaching career where he's getting the most out of these guys. And I think he's done a wonderful job this year. I think if you've listened to the show, I've given Jeremy Colleton more praise than I've than I've had issues with his coaching. And I'm going really deep here. I might be fishing a little bit, but is he at that point in his career where he knows how to get the most out of a group of say nine guys? that fits somewhere in this. And is he putting the puzzle pieces in the right spots?
0: Yeah. I I think that's the key, right. Is, you know, early in the season, I think you were seeing that because it was just that same group. It was guys. He knew, I think the problem right now is I, I I get why Stan's doing what he's doing, because like you said, none of these are detrimental to the Hawks long-term. So it's like, take a swing and see what you can get, even if it's just guys that you can maybe later flip or whatever. So, like, I, I, I like where that's going. But the problem then is, is like you said, it messes with the coach knowing these guys, trying to figure out who fits together. And that's like a whole nother adjustment period. And that could hurt the Hawks in this season, but maybe doesn't hurt them long term. So I agree. I think the key right now, and I think that's going to be the key for these next like four or five games, is like find out where these new guys really fit in. Like, if Hina Stroza fits well with Kubelik and Kurushev, let that line stay together then. But then figure out, like, where's Connolly going to fit? Is Stillman even going to play? Is he just taxi-depth right now and see what you got with him next year? Like, figure out guys' roles as quickly as possible, then let them gel. And then if they truly are as good as they've kind of shown at times this season, then they might make that late push for that fourth spot and at least have a playoff appearance.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, a lot of this, Ron, is going to come down to it's it's not just gonna be Jeremy Carlton. Some of this is on the players to make themselves that guy. Right. Some of it's on the players to gel with their linemates regardless. I'm not gonna take that out of context. Um, you know, the, the players who are on the ice still need to make the plays. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I think that sometimes, you know, when it when it becomes too hard with too many options, you gotta go back to you know, keep it simple, stupid. And, you know, it was there for Jeremy Carlton early on in this year. Um, and you know, he did keep it simple and things were working right now. I, I feel like the Blackhawks have made things just a little bit too complicated on themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. And I think, but the, at least the nice thing is the complication of this season though, gives them tons of options going into next year and building toward that future. And I think that's where this, this frame, as long as they learn from it. Yes. I agree. And I think, I think that's what the front office sees is like, Hey, let's at least give this thing a shot and see if some of these guys mesh, because I think they see a Vinny Stroza now that he's developed a little bit in his career, you know, and changed his kind of playing style a little bit worth noting. He had four hits tonight. Like he's actually becoming a physical guy, which he was just a speedster his first time around. So like, maybe they're just trying to see like like, could Vini he just to be a nice third, fourth line winger on a actual playoff contender and maybe cup contending team? could a, you know, how does Dominic Kubili fit best in this lineup? Is he more of a Troy Brower or is he more of a Brandon Sod? Like, is he a true top six or is he like that fringe, like top nine that you can move around more so where he thrives just kind of with whomever? So I think it's just finding these guys' roles right now. And that's going to be the real key for JC and this coaching staff, as well as the front office to an extent, is now identifying where these guys can fit in the pieces. But then you got to still be able to fill in some clarifying needs. And I think they still need another, another top six wing, maybe two even. I'm not entirely sold. Uh, unless you think Kubelik is going to full-time play up there, then I think they only need one. But, you know, you still got to figure that out. You know, you need Johnny to come back, even if he's
1: that's, three I think quarters that's a, of that's, Johnny. That's another key here, too, that we haven't really talked about yeah. a lot on this show. I know we've done, we've done a lot of post games this year. We haven't done a lot of this. That you and I are doing right now speculation. Um, and if uh, if you were tuning in for the post game, I didn't want to talk about it, I don't think Ron wanted to talk about it. So, we're talking speculation right now. Um, and uh, we'll we'll, we'll try and close this one up soon here. We know we've we've gone almost 40 minutes, we'll try and close this one up soon here for everybody. Um, so we can you guys can fit this in and get back to your days, but Ron. I love this kind of talk and I, I think, you know, you, you bring up some good points about Kubelik and, you know, I was just sitting here talking about, you know, guys who can move around in those nine spots. I don't know what is League because do you really have anybody on this roster right now? Who's going to challenge you for maybe that top third forward role. And that doesn't say that like, okay, if you're looking at your, your top, your top three forwards on this team, that's not to say they're all going to play in a line together, but I think it's pretty clear. Patrick Kane, number one. Alex DeBrinckit, number two. And Dominic Kubli, number three. Those are my top three forwards right now, if you had to ask me. Just based on pure like goal scoring and offensive threat, those are my top three guys. So I think it's kind of hard to, to kind of put that into perspective until you get somebody else who's up there and actually challenging for those roles
0: yeah and I, I think that's the key and I think I think the front office knows that and they're like, hey, this season we have the opportunity to go look for those depth guys, those really good depth guys like we, what we had in like 2010 because I think that was the deepest team of any of the cup teams. Like they're looking for that kind of structure. So they're looking for the like the supporting cast right now, but then they're sitting there knowing, hey, we still gotta add some playmakers that can be true top six performers. I think I think they have their guys. I think you have Kane. You have De Debrinkit. Debrinkit's revenge season. Like he's proving that he's worth that money in that role. Doc, I think is is obviously coming back from injury, but he's proving it. He's showing the the upside that we've so seen. Kirby Doc
1: can arguably jump Kubelik into that into that group. But I think the injury kind of held him back. If yeah. if if we were talking about a full healthy season of Kirby Doc, I think he's he's in that conversation. Um, and obviously, if you add Jonathan Taves, like the whole line moves. So outside of Patrick Kane, the whole line kind of moves there. Yeah, because I'm still taking Jonathan Taves' experience, his will on the ice, his his hockey IQ. I believe is is better than anybody outside of maybe Patrick Kane. Um, that I would take on the ice. Um, so I think that whole line kind of moves when you add those guys in. Obviously, we're looking at things in the here and now, but you know, next year there's no telling whether or not we're going to get Johnny back. Who who knows? I mean, we haven't really even gotten a, a clear answer as to what's going on with him. So right. you, you can't take that as a guarantee, and if you're looking into the future um, as a fan, as we are right now, I, I can't put him in there. I can't put him in. I agree. I, I think there's, there's a lot of uncertainty. So
0: I think the Hawks are just, you know, trying to th- kind of throw it all at the wall right now and say, Hey, what sticks and what doesn't, and let's, let's figure it out. And so, you know, I don't hate the idea. I don't love it at the same time. I mean, there's, there's points to both, but I think I lean more into like, I do like it. I think the trade was a good trade and I think long-term it's going to really benefit the Hawks. Um, with, again, without doing anything detrimental to the the current state of the roster. So I, I think it was a, a good day overall, despite a really unfortunate loss for the team. And hopefully they they can take these next couple of games. Uh, we're going to preview the Columbus game here in a moment. But hopefully they can take this and, and kind of move it into these upcoming series and actually do something now to figure that kind of line chemistry out and hopefully make that push for the playoffs. So, Tony, I will turn it right back over to you. Any final thoughts on the game tonight, the trade, anything like that before we move on to um, preview Columbus?
1: Final thoughts, Ron. It's now or never time uh, for this team, and I think I kind of hit on a few different things. I'm a little bit more mellowed out after talking with you, Ron. I and mean, it, Maybe it's the Wayne's World background that we got going on here. I felt like I was going to get mad online. I'm not mad online right now. I'm just kind of calm. We're in We're in a calm state. We're in the Wayne's World basement right now, if uh, if uh you didn't catch that from earlier. We've got the Wayne's World background. You can't see uh, Ron and I, but we can see the Wayne's World background that we got on this little stream here. Ron, it's now or never time. This team needs to do something. They need to win games. And I'm going full meatball right now. You need to win these next upcoming games against Columbus. You have to. Why? Because – if we're talking about learning, if we're talking about a team building off of some of these things that you want to learn from losses like tonight, it's how to get back into the next game and take that step forward. I want this team competing for that playoff spot. I want these younger guys to know what it's like to be in that chase, in that hunt, and try and regain a spot. Because right now you essentially look at this run, you're down 2 nothing in a seven-game series. You need to go back out here, and you need to win the next two and tie this thing up. So think about it like a playoff series. Look at this. Try and get yourself back into a a playoff spot. That should be the goal for this team. Are they going to make it? Who knows? But guess what? That's how Jeremy Carlton should be approaching these next games in the locker room. These are must-win games. Let's get out there. Let's erase this brutal fucking loss from our memory by coming out and, you know, three one four one game let's let that offense show up guy like Patrick Kane needs to show up in this next game Alex to needs to show up in this next game let's get on the score sheet early in the first and work with a lead and that's that's your key to success right there
0: yeah well said well said um well I think it's a perfect time I have nothing else to add so I think we'll move forward. We'll talk about this Columbus game coming up on Saturday. But before we do, uh, we'll take a step aside really quick and get a quick word from our sponsor, Manscaped.
2: Hey, you. Yeah, you. Got Bush? You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor, Manscaped. We're looking out for you here at OnTap because we have an exclusive 20% off discount using the code ONTAP at Manscaped.com. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. What comes in that? Well, the lawnmower 3.0, which is a waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formations to round out your grooming routine. This is the best trimmer to help you trim up the hedges. The trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to make sure your balls are smelling majestic before that Tinder date. You'll also find the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, which is a spray-on toner that's designed to make your balls smell irresistible. Be sure to add their refined cologne to your arsenal as well. With a perfect package or a performance package purchase, you'll also get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value add, and the patented High Performance Reduced Chafing Manscaped Boxers. So go get 20% off and free shipping using the code ONTAP at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor this spring and always use the right tools for your bush trimming experience. Once again, you can get 20% off and free shipping by using the code ONTAP all one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code ONTAP. It's 2021 and you still got Bush. Change that with Manscaped.
0: And we're back. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Manscaped. Um, make sure you check them out at www.manscaped.com. All right, Tony, here we go. We are moving forward. We are putting this loss in the rearview mirror because the Blackhawks are back on Saturday, April 10th in Columbus to take on the Columbus blue jackets at six o'clock central daylight time. One of those great. It's not a Sunday, six o'clock start, but it's a Saturday, six o'clock start. Um, the 18, 18 and five, I believe is what our official record is after tonight. Now for the Blackhawks, uh, they will take on the, or excuse me, the Columbus blue jackets. See, Dallas is going to sleep in my nightmares tonight. Um, in, uh, Columbus. So, again, a very important game. Uh, Tony, I think you mentioned it really well earlier. You know, Columbus and Dallas kind of hanging around. They're on the heels uh, of the rest of this division right now. The Hawks, four points behind Nashville. They really, really, really need to catch Nashville. You really, I agree with you. You need to win these next two upcoming games. I really think they need to win their next four upcoming games to really feel like they actually have a legitimate shot at that number four playoff spot. So, Beating Columbus, uh, you kill two birds at one stone. You push them further down in the standings while also elevating yourself up the standings. So this is a very important game. So, Tony, I would love to hear what your thoughts are about Saturday's game, and then um, you know I'll, I'll finish it up there, and then we'll get to a stick-to-click before we get out of
1: here tonight. Ryan, I'll make it real quick, and I'll make it real simple, and I'll even give you my stick-to-click. Number one, I think I said it just a few seconds ago. Get out to an early lead. Um, You want to bury this team early. And Patrick Kane, Columbus, it's written on the wall. That's my stick to click. Just get it done. Big offensive showing for the Blackhawks on Saturday. And we might all be in attendance together. So let's make it happen. And guess what? I've been really cold with these Blackhawks bets I talked to you a little bit about this before we got on air. I'm going to bet the Hawks again on Saturday because guess what? At some point, it has to turn around.
0: Yeah, it really does. And and make sure that if you're going to follow suit with Tony, you make sure you do your betting over at Bet Rivers. Use the app, go online, go in person if you're feeling up to it. Uh, whatever it is you want to do. Uh, but if you are new and you are signing up and before you place your first bet on their location, make sure you use your promo code on tap to get your $250 pro or uh, deposit match. So it's a great promo. Uh, we appreciate Bet rivers, but yeah, Tony, I think you said it perfectly, man. Like we're hopefully going to be in attendance with each other, watching this game together, the four feathers crew and, what better way than Patrick Kane to own the franchise that he owns in Columbus, Ohio, and that is the Blue Jackets. And I, I think that's a great stick to click. I, I would agree with you, but I, I don't want to you know, take the same player that you took because I think you have a, a, a good sense of, of – You can uh, ride with me, Ron. You can ride with me.
1: Ride well, with me. Let's go. Let's ride I'm, together. Let's ride I've together been, as brothers.
0: I've been holding this one in though. And, and I have to just, I have to spill my secrets, Tony. And I, I told Johnny on Tuesday show that I almost wanted to go with Vinny Stroza for tonight's game as my stick to click. And he had an assist. Two games, two assists. Looks really good with Dominic Kubelik. I'm going to take Vinny Stroza on Saturday in Columbus to have a weird, good game, like a goal and an assist. And be worthy of my stick to click. And if he is not, I will sit in shame on our next
1: Four Feathers podcast. Well, there you go. There you go. You take Henestrosa. I'll take Patrick Kane. I feel a little bit better about my pick than you feel about yours. I feel like right now, just looking at um, you, yeah. Know, it's 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 been a fun show, Ron. We got to a lot. We I know we went a lot longer than we normally do on these post games. We had a lot to talk about. Obviously the Blackhawks make a move today. Blackhawks played a shitty game today. We had a lot to talk about. Ron, I don't have anything else.
0: Perfect, man. I, I also don't have anything else. Uh, once again, please check us out wherever you listen to our, where um, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Be sure to like us, subscribe to us, Uh, rate us five stars we would really appreciate it Um, and that way if you do subscribe uh, the new podcasts will be readily available right in your queue as soon as they are uploaded so tony let's get out of here the only way we know how to here at four feathers three magic words go hawks let's go hawks